If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump. So for the first 42 minutes, we talk about current events, our lives, and we just have a lot of fun. And then after that, we answer a bunch of fitness questions. Here's the rundown. We start out by talking about anabolic steroids and genetics. Is the reason why those amazing looking bodies on Instagram or in the magazines, is the reason why they look so awesome because of steroids or do genetics play the biggest role? It's the steroids. Then we talked about Adam's brand new freezer in his garage so he could store all of his butcher box, grass-fed meat, and his wife's breast milk. It's all in the same freezer. Now, butcher box will deliver to your door grass-fed, high-quality meats at amazing prices. And right now, if you sign up, up until the 15th of October, you'll get free ground beef for life. So here's how you get that promotion. Go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump and sign yourself up. Oh, and by the way, you'll also get $20 off your first box. Then we talked about Ned, the maker of hemp oil extracts, one of the best ones you can find anywhere. They have a new product for women to help manage hormones and symptoms of PMS. Now, Ned, again, one of our sponsors, high quality, full spectrum hemp oil extract, which includes CBD within their product. We got a discount for you. If you go to hello, Ned, H E L L O N E D.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get a massive 15% off your first purchase. Then we talked about the Joe Rogan episode that where he just interviewed a commander from the Navy and they talked about UFOs and we give our Hmm. opinions and theories as to what those things may be. Ooh, I love alien stuff. We talk about how SpaceX got $3 million from NASA. I talked about how an asteroid is going to fly by earth and just miss us. I talked about how scientists are growing psilocybin from bacteria. They're making magic mushrooms from bacteria. That's kind of crazy. Just go get it from the poop. Then we talked about how China has more rules for their people. Yay, more control. Man. Then we got into the fitness portion of this episode. The first fitness question, this person wants to know what cluster sets are and how you would integrate them into your workout. So cluster sets, advanced technique. A lot of people are talking about them right now. There's some benefits. Uh, we highlight all of them in that part of this episode. The next question, this person wants to know what we think of the drugs called SARMs. SARM stands for Selective Androgen receptor modulator. These are drugs that are on the gray market. You can buy them online. They're promising steroid-like effects without any of the side effects. If it sounds too good to be true, it's because it is. Hmm. Side effects may exist. I break it all down for you. The next question, this person wants to have some tips on how to stay healthy during a long road trip. And the final question, this person wants to know if you've ever dealt with anxiety and if we have any techniques or things that we do that help us out through our periods of anxiety. And also, this month, our most popular MAPS program, the most effective muscle builder that we have, muscle builder, metabolism booster, body sculptor, MAPS Anabolic is 50% off. Tens of thousands of people have discovered why MAPS Anabolic is a super effective program. It's the program that introduced the trigger session concept to the fitness industry. Okay, this is a breakthrough workout program It is our flagship program. It's half off. This is the only time we do it all year long. Here's how you get the discounted price. Go to mapsred.com. That's M-A-P-S-R-E-D.com and use the code RED50, R-E-D-5-0 for the discount. T-shirt time! 
And it's t-shirt time. Ah, shit, Doug, you know it's my favorite time of the week. We've got four winners this week. We got two from iTunes and two from Facebook. The iTunes winners are Yum 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 2, Chris Gut 0515 for Facebook, Dustin Leonard and Heather Domeno. All of you are winners to collect your shirt. Send an email to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and reference the name I just read, and we'll get that shirt right out to you. Yeah, so I got a, uh, a message from some kid talking about how steroids is the reason why you see some of these athletes um, and people in magazines and why they're so big and muscular. It's like it's all about anabolic steroids. Right, and they think that that is the reason why that – I mean, I remember being this kid. I remember being in my 20s. I had already been a personal trainer for a few years, thinking that I know everything and – that the only thing that separated me from the guys that are on the covers of Men's Health was steroids. Yeah. I 100% believe that. And I'll never forget running my first cycle. And I was probably 180, 80 something pounds, low 80s. And I think I bumped up to like 187, 192, or something like that. Boom. And was strong, <laughs> was really, really strong. But still, uh, like, lean. Yeah, but super lean, didn't put on a lot of mass. And the moment that I got off of it, all of it went away. I lost the strength. I didn't have the same kind of strength. Everybody and, thinks it's the st- yeah. that, that it's magic. No. It, it's. Do you it, remember? Was that the first time you realized, like, wow, genetics plays a huge role? Yeah, huge. Huge role. More of a role. Biggest role. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that, I, I think, and, you know, even, and honestly, I didn't, though. You know, look, looking back, I'm saying yes, but... Uh, You're like, I didn't take enough. Yeah, exactly. I, oh, I got to do another cycle. Oh, I didn't take the right stuff. You know, this time I'm going to try this stuff. Well, uh, I only went for eight weeks. The next time I go for 12 weeks, you know. And and so you play that game of, oh, it must be this. Oh, it must be that. And then and then after you've done a few rounds of it, you realize like, oh, shit, there's a whole lot more to this you, than just, you know, oh, if you stick a needle in your ass, you'll you'll look like. You, the- ever, you ever remember the first time you met someone where you actually understood like genetics? Like you met someone in person, you're like, whoa, yeah, this makes a big. I had a I had a uh, a porter that worked for me at one of the clubs that I ran a long time ago, long time ago, and um, he'd walk around and just had just this just a crazy looking physique, triceps that look like like balls on the back of his arm, just this really really muscular dude. And when I first like, like sports balls, yeah, when I first not, ran not like, ran not the like other balls, when I first <laughs> managed that club, I saw this guy and I thought, oh, that guy's on. Tons of gear. But then I got to know him. First of all, he's a porter. So he he cleaned the club in the middle of the night. So he's not making tons of money. Then I learned the guy lived out of his car. Then I saw what he ate. And it was like 99 cent cheeseburgers when he could afford it. Mm-hmm. Box of cereal when he could afford it. And then I got to know the guy. And I could see And I saw him work out. And I realized he's just insane r- genetics. Yeah. yeah. Insanely strong. I was like Jerry. Totally. Yeah. Ate Taco Bell, Taco like, Bell twice like, a day. McDonald's, like just con- and bring it in with the wrapper and smelling like. Yeah. I'm like, bro, and he was like a freak. It, yeah. You know what it is? Thirty five were huge. Thirty five years old. He looked like he was twenty five. Yeah. yeah, abs year he found the fountain of youth. Yeah, you know what it's like? It's like looking at someone like um, Stephen Hawking or Albert Einstein and be like, you know, the only difference between that guy and me is that he just studied hard. 
you know, and yeah. took some Adderall. Like if I just studied <laughs> hard, if I just studied hard and took some Adderall, imagine that's all it took. I'd yeah. be a brilliant that's you know, actually, astrophysicist too. Most people on Adderall probably think that. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's no, actually a good yeah. analogy. It is. It's it's a really good analogy because I think that's we look at people that have these physiques and we do, I don't think we realize how much of that plays. Why? Which is funny because we know that if you look at uh, you know Michael Phelps in a pool. There is, yeah, like if I just practice swimming all right, the time. Right, exactly. You could eat what he eats, you could train as much as he trained, and you won't ever come close to, to competing <laughs> with him in the pool. He was built to do that. Now, that doesn't take away all of the man's hard work to get there, right. because yeah. that's what makes him a, a, a gold medalist yeah. and, a, and a record holder. Yeah, but I've, even if you, let's say let's say Michael Phelps did not have the work ethic and, and determination. Let's say he was just regular dude who went swimming every once in a while. Yeah. He would be faster then anybody you know, anybody you know, he'd still be faster. But the fact that he had trained and was consistent and dedicated—that's what made him one of the winning, you know, the, the winningest. Everything, yeah, yeah one of the winningest world champions. Of well, all time. this is part of the problem that that I think uh, uh, has perpetuated bad information in the the fitness space. Is you have some of these these guys and girls that are kind of genetic anomalies. And they have figured out whatever it is that works for them, mm-hmm. you know, and then now and they've gained some sort of attention, mm-hmm. whether it be by becoming a pro in men's physique. Or and you follow body. them. So you see their posts like on a daily basis. It becomes like a normal thing to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I think and, and I think they really believe in their because nobody ever thinks that they're a genetic freak. Nobody ever thinks you don't. You rarely ever get somebody who's just like, yeah, yeah. I'm a genetic. They're freak. confused, like why their program doesn't work for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I it th- worked for me. I here, here's what I think, Adam. I think they do know that they're a genetic freak. I oh, think, think they don't so? want to admit it because admitting that is like saying that they didn't work hard or something. Come on, if you're a genetic, <laughs> listen, if you're Jay Cutler, you know, and you're 18 years old with 19 inch arms, or you're 15 years old and you're the buffest dude around. You don't think he knows? Like he's walking around, people going, "Dude, this, you know, that guy's." Freaking. He knows. He's just. They don't. They admitting that you are a, a genetic anomaly. It devalues the work. It ethic. devalues all of the work and everything. Yeah. Just like saying you're on steroids does. That's why a lot of people don't want to. Admit I don't know. Animals. I think people just. I think they believe it, dude. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it makes them feel better. And it's again, it doesn't take away from the hard work. Of but, course not, because it still takes incredible hard work. Yeah, when it comes to when it comes to genes, this is just just the way it works. The vast majority of us are in the middle. The vast majority of us. Mm-hmm. But there's a wide gap between the middle and the worst and the middle and the best. So think about it this way. Think about genetics in terms of uh, physical, uh, you know, athletic uh, qualities, right? Think of the worst genes you could think of. This is a person who maybe even just has trouble walking without falling. They're just completely unorgan- completely uh, terrible balance, no coordination whatsoever, just horrible, horrible genes on that side. That's how bad things can go. Now think of the opposite, how good and extreme they can be on the other end. It gets pretty crazy, but it's super rare. So that's the other thing too is you look at pictures and you watch uh, sports and stuff on TV or you read about people and it makes it feel like it's more common than it is. But let's use an obvious one. Let's use one that's super visible. Um, Think about people who are over seven feet tall, right? Super rare in real life. (laughs) People who are seven feet tall are extremely rare, extremely rare. Think about the last time you saw someone that was seven feet tall in real life. Right, that M- wasn't at a pro basketball game. Yeah, it wasn't the NBA. Yeah. So the NBA is like the Instagram of bodybuilding. Yes. yes. 
Yes, I, we have all you... we all think everybody looks amazing on Instagram because you follow yeah. the you follow the top 100 bodies in in yeah. the country. Yeah, I remember a couple bulls came into to work and it was like everybody just stopped mid track. It was like watching like giants. Yeah, like, walk through. Have you guys ever seen a, a person that was seven foot that wasn't well, at a pro bat? We were we we had a, one of our last live events. Well, it was a few live events ago. Uh, three collegiate swimmers. That were six foot seven stand next to us. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. the most like holy shit. And there's that's not even seven feet. Yeah. yeah. Six seven. Yeah. 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 yeah were, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like we're not small six, guys. I think they were six five, six five and six seven. Is that what they were? Yeah. 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 I mean, it just blows you away to think of that, that those and that's why they're called anomalies. Think same thing with intelligence. You, know, you there's there's a middle range and you can be smarter in the middle and not as smart in the middle. But man, there's people so far on the other end of that smart that you're you're like a you're like a super slow processor compared to to them. You're like a you're like a, a yeah. Polaroid camera, and they're an iPhone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can they're, explain quantum mechanics to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're just that, that's another level. Just extreme brilliant. So it ex it exists on all levels, and anabolic steroids can enhance whatever you have, but it's not gonna. You know, let me put it this way: you could put the three of us in this room on the craziest, most uh, sophisticated. Anabolic steroid, growth hormone, insulin, every hormone and drug imaginable stack of all time. Put us on it for five years. None of us would crack the top ten in Mr. Olympia. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, of course not. That's, that's how crazy it is. <laughs> that just crushed my dreams, Sal. <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually talking to Jessica about it this weekend because who is she looking at? She was watching someone on Instagram, and it was some girl who was deadlifting – 400 pounds like 15 times oh i saw that video just broke yeah. my heart just and she oh. goes ruined my day and she right. goes she goes i thought you said i was strong you know, she's <laughs> telling me this i'm like you are strong she's like i thought you said i had good genetics yeah. i said you do I'm have like, good genetics that is something else i said there. yeah you're not yeah. you're not at that level that's all <laughs> that's another that's a whole nother level that i don't think i've ever run into yeah. before and, and not and, many people have yeah. i said you've got she has great genetics she's got great muscle building genetics small joints long muscle bellies but then there's another level that is just just doesn't make any Does sense. Does she pull or squat better? Deadlift. So she's yeah, pulls, she she can, squats. Yeah, she's pulled over two thirty, I think. Oh, that's good. Yeah, which is not bad. Yeah. But she doesn't train like a power lift or anything like that. She trains. What about your girl? She squat or pull better? She squats better. She squats better. Yeah. Weird. I know. Weird. Uh, our priorities. You know? <laughs> <laughs> our preferences. She probably doesn't know what a deadlift is. I was is. like, yeah. I, She's I, like, what's a deadlift? Maybe it's all in the, the teaching mechanics. You know, maybe that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it could be the husband. What about, <laughs> what about it's the husband factor. <laughs> what about Katrina? Squat or pull? You know what? They're, they're pretty close. Katrina's strong as fuck, man. She, uh, she, she was a collegiate athlete. Yeah, yeah. So she, she's got some. She, she pulls 275 and she squats over 225. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So she pulls in squats pretty well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that was gains though that she's made since we we were together. She didn't really she didn't train like that when we when we were first dating. The first yeah, you said she was all circuits. And yeah, stuff. she was circuit based with weights, so never never lifted five reps of anything and gave herself two minutes rest. Like that was unheard of in her training. And she ran. She was a she ran to so for her exercise it was running miles and it was circuit training mm -hmm. in the gym. And when I got a hold of her training and her diet, we completely fit that. And so I watched that scale really fast. I remember watching her. I used to have a really great video on my Instagram when she when she pulled, I think, her first 250, I think was a, a, one of the first PRs that she hit. And she was like, 
<laughs> she pulled it up and then like just dropped it and like now you know she can save like, she like clapped yeah, she can yeah. save you from a fire now yeah, yeah. that's what I told Jessica like you need to be strong what if there's a fire or I pass out good you thing be, yeah you gotta have that no Jessica's got like the longest consistent throughout her whole body the longest muscle bellies I've ever seen like her quads come way down here her hamstrings her calves her biceps her triceps so she develops a little bit of muscle it's like and then small joints on top of which is rare typically you see long muscle bellies and big joints. She's got really, really small joints on top of it. So those, those are all good things for aesthetics when you're, when you're, you know, working out and trying to build muscle. But there's a whole level of genetics out there that is extremely rare. So rare, in fact, that if we didn't have social media, if we didn't have media, you'd never run into it. Like if this was, if this was like ten thousand years ago and we were still tribes, you wouldn't, you would never have seen any of these people ever. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. You'd be walking around and you'd be talking about the giant that someone, right. there was a giant well, in a village far away. It's know? interesting that we talk about totally. things like this. And, and I think these, these people are because of the ability to connect like we have now on social media and stuff. But because when I look at Instagram and I look at the people I follow, and I'm guilty of this too. I follow all these beautiful bodies. You know what I'm saying? Somebody comes on my feed and strong people and mm-hmm. super buff and fit. And so, you know, I don't know how many, I think I have like a thousand people or so or that are connected to me that I follow. And of those, probably I follow ugly people dude, <laughs> just to give them, you know, a little love, <laughs> make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Fa- I know there's some hot ones in the mix. I'm not talking about you. You know, everybody that just everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's probably like let's say, let's just say for argument's sake, fifty percent uh, to seventy five percent of the people that are maybe connected to me are are like your elite fitness people, and. When I think about the gym and working in the gym and looking around at all the people that worked in our gym, which is already, by the way, a, a, a bias, right? A bias because these, these are people who work. They're out. exercising. They're, not, yeah. they're, they're already they're, you're already carving off eighty percent of the population. Yep. These are the people that actually care and make it to the gym. And then when you look at that twenty percent, there's what percentage of those people have you know that level of a physique. One maybe person in the gym, maybe, maybe. If you're at like, if a, you go to Golds, or yeah, something right, like that. yeah, you're Venice Golds. It's exception yeah, to the go rule. to a, go to a health club. No way. Yeah, twenty four uh, hour no. fitness. Go to twenty four hour fitness. Yeah, you're <laughs> gonna stand out. No, if you're consistent oh. and you eat halfway decent, you're the buff guy or girl in that yeah. gym. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how rare it is. No, it's totally true, man. Like again, if we were if it was ten thousand years ago, you wouldn't. You'd never and now think Not about even this. You say so far away. Say uh, fifty years ago. Uh, well, you had newspapers and magazines then. Yeah, but too. you're still in Dude, That's why I like going to twenty four hour. You feel like a hero again. <laughs> you know, like, I just stack all these I to, I plates told, on here. I that's why I have those memberships. I have. That's <laughs> yeah. how I feel. A ego bump. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. you know, if you catch me in golds or whatever like that, like I'm feeling myself. Uh, like I, that's a it's a graduation well, to get there. You know, now think about it this way. Now nobody put, even looks. Now put yourself in the in the place of. Because when I was a kid, when we were kids, we were exposed to media, obviously, quite a bit, but it was mainly TV and movies, and we weren't exposed to them constantly all the time. A lot, most of the time we spent was with our friends outside and, and you know, hanging out. We watched TV, but it wasn't like such a, it didn't consume us the way I think, I think media consumes kids nowadays because of their phones. So kids are on this media so often, so much, and they're on social media and they're looking at all these faces and pretty bodies and pretty faces and accomplishments that are maybe real, maybe not re- be real. These Photoshop pictures of people with perfect skin, stuff like that. It's going to be an interest. It's, it's got to have an interesting impact, you know, mm-hmm. like where you kind of looking at all this stuff and you can't help, but, uh, but, um, and it's not a conscious comparison. It's your brain just automatically figures out the averages. And so your average becomes an average of what you see. 
And so you've got all these kids on media and probably thinking, wow, I'm not cool. I'm not doing a lot of awesome stuff. My skin looks bad. Look at my hair. Mm-hmm. I'm not as pretty. I, I think a lot good. of that too, What I, I think that we don't realize is a lot of that's subconscious. That, oh, most of it. Right. It's yeah. not, I mean, because I'm sure there's people that are listening to like, oh, I don't compare myself to everybody else. It doesn't, you don't have to. You don't have to actively go like, oh, look at him. He looks better than me. Oh, look at her. She looks better than me. You don't even have to actively do that. Just mm-hmm. to your point you're making right now, the way the, the way that the brain works is it's downloading that information and it's pre it's predictive. Dude, dude, you, and so it's, yep. it's- That's what I'm saying, dude. You got to follow ugly people. Dude, <laughs> it's, what, all that's these, your secret to success. Hey, it's, it's just better. Ugly people start just getting shit tons of followers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hit 100,000. I highly suggest it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, good job, Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. You, got, you know, it's funny if you- it, it, on that note, Adam, if you look back in time, go and look at media pictures of what people considered buffed 50, 60, 70, oh, 80 years ago. And what they considered buffed back in those days was like, like, look at Tarzan, the movie Tarzan. I think it was in 1960 or 50 or something like that. He was an Olympic swimmer. Now, for all intents and purposes, he's a fit and healthy man. He wouldn't even be considered slightly muscular today. He w- they wouldn't put him on a, on, a, on a soap opera today, that same guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But back then what they talked a lot about was his incredibly fit and muscular physique. You know, there's old movies with Clint Eastwood or where they take their shirts off. And again, today you think, oh, it's a, there's, you know, healthy looking man. You wouldn't think to yourself buffed like, or muscular. Whoa, yeah, like superhero. No, no, no that didn't start status, happening yeah. till, uh, till much later. Doug's going to pull up a Yeah, it's a lot to live up to now. Yeah, look at this guy. body. Look at that second picture or, or right there, the third one right there in his loincloth. Like nobody, you know what that looks like? That looks yeah, like he's a, a regular dude compared nice to- Nice dad bod. Yeah, Wait, compared, what year is that, Doug? 50s, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and that guy right there, the women used to comment on how incredible his physique was. And he was just an Olympic swimmer, you know? Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, that is funny. It's wild. Yeah, our, we figured it out. How our, our how we've changed our and then on top of it, because you add plastic surgery and stuff like that to the mix, now the norms have changed to where, you know, boobs now we think they look a particular way when in yeah. reality they probably don't. Like if all media went away within one or two generations, boy, everybody's perception would shift so strongly. You think so? Oh, of course. Yeah. Because then it would just be based off of what you see around you. Right, right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, kind of crazy. Anyway, right. speaking of crazy stuff, uh, what's up with your, your D-ball breast milk? It's <laughs> <laughs> my new side hustle. So is that your, do you guys, do you have a big deep freezer in the garage? I just got it. Uh, is there some demand for that or what? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, there's you know, bodybuilders are starting to drink breast milk now. <laughs> I figure if you infuse it with D-ball, I should be able to get like four Dude, or five times real? the market value, right? Oh, right. Man. Is that, no, is that not a good idea or what? No. I thought it was. So what do you have? You have a huge, it's just a big box? Human the, to human. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, and I'm, and I'm curious now to see what my new cadence is. So there's a few things. Things in my house that I'm like trying to this this new like um, everything's on auto ship to your house thing. Like I guess maybe I'm still an old guy and, and I'm still transitioning to get used to like what that looks like. Like my dog food, right? So my my dog food now I get all my meat uh, sent like that. We get like all, all of our like house supply stuff. You know, I'm trying to learn uh, the cadence. I don't know if you guys do this yeah. a lot or not. Yeah, you want to stagger it so it hits at the perfect time. Yeah, and yeah. one of the problems I was having with ButcherBox was uh, originally I set it up to where it was one time a month, and that was too much, too fast. I have too small of a freezer. I have one of those little the double door ones and yeah. the skinny ass. Oh, yeah. And so before long, it, especially when we were you gotta doing- You got to get the dead body freezer. I yeah, got a big one now. So did I, right? Yeah. So that, and I had smoothie box coming. So I had smoothie box, I had butcher box. I have them there and that was filling my freezer up like within two or three months. I was like, okay, so I had to back off the cadence. So I yeah. backed all the way off to 
uh, every three months, which is cool about ButcherBox. You have that ability to change the cadence. And so then I went to three months, and then I found myself going to the grocery store and buying more meat because we didn't we would run out of whatever mm-hmm. we would normally be cooking. So I think now having a backup big freezer like that, I can get back to like the one the one a month cadence, and then if it starts to store up for a while, then I'm probably going to be. Perfect. I like those deep, deep, deep freezers because you can throw yeah. all your meat in there, not worry about it. It saves you so much money. You've got your grass because then grass. Where do you get your grass fed if you don't go to? But you have to go to Whole Foods to go buy. It. It's I don't. Expensive as hell. I don't. The yeah. only place I get it now is through Butcher Box. The way I look at it is mm-hmm. this, right? So, yeah, uh, because I think we've talked about this before that you cannot compare a grass fed piece of steak to a grain-fed, fatty, marbly steak. So the mistake that I think some people make, they hear people, uh, oh, I I hear grass-fed, I hear grass-fed, and then they go have grass-fed, they're like, oh, gross, grass-fed doesn't taste anywhere near as good. Well, that's because it's nowhere near as marbly and fat. It's it's a lot healthier for you than a normal steak. And I think that Butcher Box is the closest I've ever tasted to like what a grain-fed piece of steak tastes like. Agreed. And so what I do, and I, but I still enjoy getting those marbly fat steaks that are, you know, that I know that are not ideal. So the way I look at it is like, I'm the food that I prepare at my house will always be through yeah. the grass fed butcher box stuff. And then when I go out for a restaurant, like we had Willard Hicks just recently, and I don't, I doubt they're using grass fed mm-hmm. steak for those cuts. And, oh, it's so tasty. Right. I'll, yeah. I'll enjoy a cut. Yeah. Like no, I, I just love, like, I was thinking about this the other day too, of like uh, opening the fridge and I just, the, the overall quality of what I have in there is like so much better between butcher box, like covering all the meats. And then I have like the CSA for all the fresh produce, like coming uh, on a monthly, a couple, like it's every other week, I think is when we pick it up. The CSA? Uh, the CSA. And then we have, uh, you know, eggs from the chickens outside. And uh, I mean, the only That's thing great. left is, I, I don't know. Condiments, you know, so we got to get a condiment sponsorship. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that's it. That's great, man. Yeah, it's awesome. No, the way I look at it is because uh, I eat a lot of meat. I eat red meat. Um, I mean, if I'm honest, I eat red meat five, six days a week. If you're going to eat that much red meat, it makes sense to to go for high quality. It's just a lot, and I oh, notice yeah. a change. I notice a change in my inflammation in my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you eat, if you're going to eat steak, red meat once a week or less. Doesn't make a difference. I mean, over time, you know, over years, sure, but yeah, probably not that big of a difference. But if you're going to have a lot of red meat, like like I do, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I going eat, with the quality, and I notice a difference in inflammation. I, I eat red meat daily. Yeah, daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, at least once a day. Yeah, I'd yeah. say once a week or twice a week, I'll have chicken or maybe fish, but it's almost always yeah, I eat, some kind of red I meat. I mean, I I'm eating chicken, chicken and fish and bison, and I'm rotating turkey, all, all that in there. But that, I mean, that's the but other, that's one that, meal. That, yeah, that's one meal. That's right. the other meal with that. But right. red meat is hundred uh, percent. Have you guys done the brisket from Butcher Box? You don't. They don't always have it. <laughs> yeah. Have so you, I've done the. So remember how I, I told you guys. I've done that. Yet. You know, I told you. Yeah, how you prepare that thing right. Oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I cook it real. We long. crock pot it, so yeah. we do it the same way we do the. I'm uh, gonna do that next. The pork shoulder. Okay. Like, so I've done the pork shoulder and the brisket. So what do you do? You just put it in the crock pot with with some water and some cut, Could, cut up stuff. Uh, yeah, I think I can't remember what Katrina does for each one, but she has like a little bit of a different recipe for the the pork shoulder versus the brisket. I, I'm gonna I, do that. Yeah, I think she chopped up some celery in one of them I'm and did some that. other stuff like. But yeah, no, the, the just the meat falls oh. apart, and then I just put it over like a bed of white rice. Oh, that's it's like, great! Oh, yeah. So yeah. good. Last night we we ate oh, over uh, we ate over my mom's house, and my mom, uh, whenever we eat there, she'll make because my daughter loves my mom's uh, homemade pesto. So my mom has the the leaves. What are the leaves you use for pesto? What is that? Basil. Basil. Thank you, Doug. She grows basil. She'll she'll make it fresh, and I never eat 
pasta, or I do occasionally, but pasta can bother me sometimes. But I've been feeling pretty good. So my mom's like, can you eat pasta? And I said, yeah, I think my gut health's been feeling pretty good. Let's do this. Man, I go there and she makes that pesto. And I swear to God, dude, it's like, I don't know if she sprinkles drugs in there or what. And I eat that. Thing. I ate a bowl of that. And I'm like, let's fucking do this. I had two bowls of that. And then my dad made lamb and he breaded that and grilled that thing. Shit ton of lamb, pasta. With pe- I'm excited for my workout today because I, th- I feel like I, I ate a shit ton You're of- all stored up. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm ready to rock and roll, man. But oh, you guys ever have homemade pesto? Uh, one time, yeah, it was oh, amazing. It's, it's fucking life changing. Do you yeah. have some or what? It's life changing. I know you should bring some in. Yeah, you, say, you, gotta, you gotta eat it there. You I gotta eat the, it when she makes it. I feel like the deal if we talk like about food on the show like that, that awesome. the other guys have to bring it in at least. Well, I don't know, maybe. I want to make the recipe. That, <laughs> I want to make the recipe that uh, Rachel just posted on Instagram. By the way, I don't know if people know that now or not. Have we talked about that on the show or not? The, the Lion Pump Kitchen. Yeah. Post, so. so once a week, the we have uh, a recipe that goes up there. It has everything breakdown how exactly how you prepare. So awesome. Yeah, no, it's. Mm. I want. There's the last one he just did. I want to. I want to try and make. Speaking of, uh, of of Rachel, she's been using the new uh, the new Ned product, but hasn't been using it long enough for us to really get a, a you know like her opinion on it. Mm-hmm. But I did some. I looked it up. So you guys saw what we got from them, right? Yeah. yeah. No, explain it. I know we. So well, we stole it from. What I Yeah, I, I opened it up. I looked at it, but just briefly, and I, I handed it to you because I wanted mm-hmm. you to kind of give your feedback on the research on it because. I've never been a big fan of uh, CBD infused in a bunch of different products, but this isn't just that. It's actually specific towards no. women's cycle. Yeah, Is that so, correct? Yeah, so they made, they made there's a few different products they made specifically for women. So this is Ned. For the listeners who don't know, Ned makes uh, full-spectrum uh, hemp oil extract, which also contains CBD, but then also has all the other uh, cannabinoids, you know, CBC, CBG, for example. Um, and, you know, we've talked uh, many, many times about the potential uses of those types of things. But anyways, these products are specifically geared towards women. So one of them is a hormone balance blend oil. Now, in this product, you do have the hemp extract. So you do have that. But then you also have uh, milky oats and oat straw, red clover blossom, dandelion leaf, lemon balm, black seed oil, uh, all of these things have been shown and been used for many, many for a long time to help women uh, with their hormones or at least the symptoms of things like PMS and, and their cycle. Then they have one that's called period ease. So this one sounds like it's more of a uh, to, to help with pain, like cramps and whatnot. And the ingredients in this, are, again, really good. There's uh, black cohosh, valerian root, which is a, re- a relaxing herb, um, cardamom, cinnamon, um, and then of course, uh, ginger. And then of course you have the full hex- uh, full spectrum hemp oil. So I looked through them and the ingredients are legit. These are, uh, oils that people have used for a long time to help treat, uh, hormone imbalances and to treat the symptoms of, uh, of your period. Mm. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what she says. Now, what do you think about, so I know one of them is actually topical too. Right. So what the two you- that I just rattled off are not topical. Those are the those tinctures. Are oils, the tincture. Those are oils that you take and yeah. just like the other the hemp oral, oil. Yeah. They do have topical also hemp oil extract, uh, products for women that you rub on parts of your body to help with pain. I need to do more research and learn more about how topicals work because I don't know how how cannabinoids work when placed on the skin. I know how they work when they're ingested, but I don't know enough about how they're put on the skin. But so I don't have much to give you guys in terms of that. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, but I mean, up until now, Ned has been the they've been the leader uh, in their quality. They've been phenomenal, and women have used 
uh, cannabinoids now for you know issues with PMS and their period for a long time. It's actually, if I'm not mistaken, one of the number one reasons why women were getting cannabis prescriptions in California in the first place was PMS. Now, I don't know if that's because they were using it for PMS or because in California you can put whatever you want and they thought that would be an easy one, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, but I have read studies on cannabinoids and cramping um, uh, and some some studies show that it may actually help. Hmm. So, and anecdotally speaking, I've known lots of women who said it helps them, you know, tons. And I'm talking about the w- women who use the non-psychoactive versions too. So, TH, not THC, but rather... Hemp-based. Yeah, hemp-based hmm. kind of cannabinoids. Now, so. they just la- launched this product line, right? Brand new. Brand new. Brand new. So, it's it's live, it's going, it's uh-huh. on the site. Oh, now, okay. if you're... Here's, cool. here's, here's where I would lean. If, if, you're a, if you're somebody who wants to use hemp oil because of its anti-anxiety, you know, enzyolytic type effects, and you're a woman and your anxiety hits you right around uh, when you're you're right around the week or before your period, then you may be better off getting this product than just their hemp oil extract. Because yeah. that means your anxiety may be tied more towards your cycle, in which case this product may be better than just the pure Well, so far, oil. that's most of the anecdotes that I've heard, even from my wife, is it's mainly like been super effective for anxiety mm-hmm. and, and to help, you know, uh, mitigate those symptoms. But in terms of like pain, uh, I haven't had a lot of, uh, you know, people telling me that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was as, as effective, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Inter- well, the, the studies on cannabinoids and pain show that they work really well with pain medication. So uh, people who take opiates will reduce their opiate amount and then take cannabinoids and then they get the same kind of effect. So it may be a synergistic thing. Uh, so you need that entourage. That. Who knows? Yeah, who yeah, knows? yeah who, who knows? Hey, who was on the uh, Joe Rogan's podcast oh, just recently? dude. You, you got, did you hear it? No, I, I was actually listening to it on uh, the, the way U- UFO stuff is what I heard. Yes. yes. This was a- uh, I gotta get the guy's name. Let me see. Yeah, get that right. That was today's? He that, was a naval officer that uh, was- I guess Commander David Commander, yeah. Fravor. Uh, so this is a Navy commander who. Do you guys remember the New York? I want to say the New York Post might have been, or the New York Times did an article on how a Navy pilot saw a UFO and they recorded yes. it. Yes, yeah, I remembered it. Now that they brought that up in the episode, I was like, I do remember mm-hmm. that coming in the news for a minute. Yeah, it was interesting because he, he flies those like those those Hornets and like the Super Hornet and like the super fast yes. uh, planes and. Uh, and they do like simulations where they they have like one squad is like fighting the other squad. One's acting like the enemies. And so they do drills like that and stuff. And so this actually happened when he saw uh, the UFO was when they're running one of these active drills. Well, here's the crazy thing. So first off, this guy is a commander. He's got 20 years experience. He's flying $70 million machines. So, yeah. you know, U.S. government isn't going to put – an idiot uh, or somebody with psychiatric problems or whatever. Well, most of in these the are aerospace engineers. Yeah. So he's like abs- most people are, yeah, that, that are pilots at that level. Very credible. Yeah. Very credible. This guy's operating extremely expensive uh, machinery. And then he's in charge of a lot of other pilots. So he's like up there. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about it, but it's not just that. They also had recordings of it because the guy that was in, in his plane with them is tracking it with their tracking equipment. And these Hornets and these some of these planes are extremely advanced tracking equipment so it'll have regular cameras it'll have infrared Infrared, cameras it'll have radar and so they were tracking this thing and this thing which was about 40 feet long so he says about the size of a jet it it dropped from 
eighty thousand feet, which down is twenty, which yeah. is like space. Like you can see the curvature of the Earth from there all the way down to twenty thousand feet within like a couple seconds. They're tra- They're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Then they're they they catch on the camera. It's jamming the radar. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is an act of war. So I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. If you jam radar, that that's considered an act of war. So it's jamming the radar. So they're tracking it now with cameras and infrared, and this thing is moving, like as if uh, as if physics doesn't exist or right. or air and gravity. There's no don't propeller, exist. like any kind of because uh, he's hovering close to the water and it's not affecting any. Did of you the guys water. see the video? Yeah, you, you can watch see, it on yeah. YouTube. Doug, you got to pull that video up. I yeah. want to see this video. Yeah. Here, I, my, this is my... Th- what are your thoughts on it? Well, so hold on. I'll tell you the whole well, thing. Yeah, okay. So, so this, thing's, this thing can move left, right, forward, back. They're following it. Fall, and then it just takes off. And he says it took off so fast because there's no, there's no plane on Earth that would even come close to that speed. He yeah. wasn't the only one that caught it. Other, other uh, pilots caught it too, and they all caught it on camera. And it's officially... The U.S. government officially released it and said, we don't know what the hell that is. And, oh, by the way, other pilots... Have caught video of these things. In 2015, there was a whole nother sighting yep. that uh, were different objects. Uh, I guess it was like more of a sphere with like a like a square, like a cube in the middle of it. They were yeah. covering, yeah. yeah, and like they didn't know what the hell those things were. Yeah, There's so a bunch of them. Yeah, and so, and they're now openly talking about it. Like we don't yeah. know what the fuck this is and what's going on. So anyway, what's your theory? Well, I I just think that there's there could be holograms. No, I well maybe what right. whatever it is though. Like I I think it's less likely aliens and more likely that we have some secret operations and technology that's far beyond ninety nine point nine percent of the, the the regular population's belief of what we can and can't do. Mm. There's you got to think there's got to be. The people that that think that they're top secret and they're getting all the information, there's got to be another group on top of that group where there's the highest level of secrecy that we have. The technology. Well, I think that's always been the game. Right? In different countries, they always want the the latest technology. You know, they want to advance it and like keep it under their wraps because then that's that's well, you know, how you control power. Well, that's way more plausible than aliens visiting us. So I would agree, Adam. I, I would say that that would be the one I'd put my money on. I mean, look. And maybe not even ours. Maybe it's not... Well, well I mean, it could US. be like a yeah a German, Russia, so, yeah, China, so yeah, somebody yeah. else. I think it's ours. Spying on us. I think it's ours. I think if we saw it and it wasn't ours, yeah, we, we wouldn't did. say anything. Right. If we saw it yeah, and it wasn't right. ours, yeah, right. we wouldn't say shit to anybody. So oh, well. here's two reasons why I think that's true. One, uh, when we went into Iraq the first time, that's the first time the world saw stealth bombers. Yeah. That fucking technology was invented. 50s. It was invented way before. Way, way long And that ago. was us just just flexing on everybody and saying, okay, here's... Oh, yeah. Just look at the patents, uh, how far they go back for some technology that you think is like VR even. I think I remember seeing this, like how far... They thought of VR. It was it was insane. It was almost like 1920 or something like ridiculous like that. Yeah. You're like, no way. Yep. And then you go back and look at the records of the patent. It was all drawn up like somebody's wearing a device over their face and like that's projecting yeah. images. Now, here's the other reason why I think that's a totally plausible theory is that you guys know Area 51, right? We right. Guys, you guys have all heard of that. Right. And how there was this alien spacecraft that, that crashed there and they had aliens and they're hiding. That's what's going on over there. Well, the U- that's where the U.S. government uh, was designing the top secret plane. The the was it called the SR something Blackbird, the one yeah, the plane Blackbird. that flies like three Mach three. Yeah. And and what they do is they do what's called um, they're trying to send out counter 
information, fake information to get everybody off the trail. So they yeah. are the ones that created the alien story yeah. to get people, because people are going to see that there's a fucking base there. Mm-hmm. They don't want anybody knowing that there's, that they're testing, you know, top secret jets. So they come out, they put out this fake information. So I, here's what I think. I think that this is our technology and we're, Flying it around our own pilots to see how they react, see what our equipment can do to we're, it. We're flaunting right without now. letting them know. Yeah. Without letting them know. I like I'm always, I, like I always it. want to know the motivation of why bring it more visibly out now. You know, like what's what are the, what what's in the works in terms of like, and why are we so concerned about getting to the moon and getting to space and like all these programs? You know, privatized programs now. What, what wasn't there a recent article about uh, SpaceX getting a bunch of money? Uh, to go to the moon, yeah, 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 yeah three yeah. million. That well, that the part of what made that news is that uh, NASA and SpaceX supposedly have been at wars with each other. They're not fans of each other, but yet they're funding three million dollars towards mm-hmm. the SpaceX project, and that's kind of like the race to get to the moon, to get from the moon to the Mar- to moon to Mars. Now, what right. if what? If, here's my other. Here's a good movie uh, theory for you, Justin. Okay. What if at some point we design artificial intelligence? It fucking takes over. The world, it you know, kills us all. It creates time machines, and then it goes back in time, and now it's watching us through their own creations, their own lens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah probably, those are our future people. That's yeah, probably what if, what if we're still biological though? Those are few, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're just watching so us. So you go the sci-fi route. Yeah. Speaking of science, did you guys know that I think it's this week, an asteroid is going to fly closer to Earth than the Moon. What? This week, and it's about the size of a building. Uh, it's a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, NASA literally just saw it. And they're like, oh, by the way, this oh. week. <laughs> don't panic. Yeah. When, when are we going to be able to see it? Are we going to be able to see it? I don't know if we're going to be able to see it. Flyby. But we're going to get like a flyby like noise. Yeah, but I read an article and it's going to be it's going to fly to Earth, closer to Earth than the moon. And it's the size of a building. But it's not going to hit us. Is it going to hit the moon? No, I don't think yeah, so. That'd... Oh, that would suck. Right? Can you imagine? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Sky is falling. Yeah. No. That's crazy. No, not at all. That's scary. Anyway, more science. Got some cool science uh, stuff for you. Uh, Scientists have created, they've artificially engineered bacteria that eat food and then poop and create psilocybin. What? Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm processing that. Yeah, yeah. So bacteria that's going to poop and make us magic mushrooms? Yes. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So so one of the problems with because yeah. we have studies now that <laughs> sounds like a cartoon. Yeah. No, no. No, one of the problems with psilocybin is growing it, growing it, making it, producing it in mass, especially if we're going to use it to treat uh, mental illness. And is that really a problem? Well, isn't yeah. that from it'll, cow shit? Yeah, like it'll grow just, almost anywhere. Yeah, but but this process here, so they took a popular bacteria, E. coli, um, they engineered it, and now it makes psilocybin um, when they feed it through the fermentation process. So- this is a very easy, fast way to produce psilocybin if we need it for mass production. So you just need a big poop factory. That, yeah. That, yeah, harvests all that. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. That, that is cool. But that I is. didn't know we had a problem with growing mushrooms like that would ever, like I feel like mushroom I, farms would be really easy. I, I do too, but apparently this is easier. Oh, even easier. Yeah, this is easier and faster. <laughs> so, okay. Or maybe they're just trying to find ways of patenting it. Oh, you fuckers. Uh-huh. Could be that. Uh-huh. It's probably more now likely that. If they're going to sell it thinking. as medicine. Did I tell now you guys about the you know, the cotton candy grapes? Did, have either one of you guys tried them yet? No. No, dude. You said you were going to bring them in. What? But I did get grape-flavored cotton candy. Matt, Choki, have you had the? Have you had them? Okay. Doug, have you had them? I had bubble gum. I got some this uh, weekend. You did? Oranges. How do you like them? They're great. Are they, they taste just like cotton candy, huh? They do. They're is grape. That, 
Isn't that yeah. a, is that amazing? They're great. So I so you know I'm a dork, right? I I have something like that. I'm like so curious to like how this happens and like you know uh, where do these grapes come from, whatever. So a grape had sex with cotton candy. So obviously. I obviously yeah, not what happened actually. So what it's a farm in Florida, okay? And this is only since 1996, so they haven't been around that long. Uh, they have the patent on it. So how do you patent? It's 20 years. Grapes, yeah, twenty years, mm. but I mean that's relatively not that long mm -hmm. for as long as grapes have been around, right? So, uh, they patented. They went through over a thousand uh, different genetics crossbreeding until they got this perfect cross. Oh, that's right. You told us this. Yes, that's right. And then they patented that, so they they own the right to to breeding those those two strains to make that that grape, and they're based out of Florida, which is probably why we only see them. Grace our our grocery stores. Are they expensive? They are, like of course. Ten or twelve dollars. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna go buy some today. Where you, you guys just at any grocery store? No, Whole Foods. Oh, really? If they're still around, I'm gonna go get mm. some. Yeah, we bought we bought like ten bags and froze them. Mm. So I now nah, I can and they're great frozen. Mm. They're such a great treat frozen. Did you guys hear uh, China? What what they're doing? They passed some more rules for their their people. You know, because they control everything. Oh, oh man, yeah. That's if you want internet access, you have to you have to pass a facial recognition software test now. So now, if you want to go to the internet, you have to show your face, and it has to do you know facial recognition. And then, if you're allowed to go online, so what's online. now? What is their now? What is their reason for that? Not what you think, and there's speculation. All the the fucking scary oh, reasons because why. because they want the, you know only only the people who can't who should use the internet that right. way we bad people don't use it and. It's all, bro. It's, it's just all another way they can put them under their thumb. It's all That's social it. molding yeah. and control, bro. They're trying to take social their, control. Try to take their billions of people and just it's mold the, them and, and control just them. Turn the way all of them into robots. Oh, crazy! Man, it just uh, see every science fiction movie ever has warned us about that kind of shit. Oh, it scares us. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And you see the protests in Hong Kong over over China. No oh, boy. Boy, oh boy, man! Huge protests over there because because they don't want to be controlled. They're, everybody's wearing masks because they don't want the facial recognition technology to pick them really? up. Really? Yeah, dude. That's now scary. is that what the is that what this big trend is of wearing wearing the mask? No, that's that's old. That started before. Okay, I was gonna yeah. say that's. I feel like that's becoming more popular. I'm seeing that around now uh, here, and I'm seeing more and more people do that with like like the bird flu thing, or it's the mask. Yeah, yeah, but, but now mouth. they're making them like stylish and shit, where they have like skulls on them, and like it's like a, and you see some fucking hip hop artists rocking them. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, there's, uh, I gotta look it up. I gotta see where. I gotta. I, I I didn't know if why though. Like I don't understand what the what the deal is with them and what what the reason. It's been it. around for a long time. I actually looked it up a long time ago, and I believe Japan started it. Uh, no joke. But they would do it as a, as a, for politeness. So if you're coughing, so that you don't cough on people. So they would wear these masks. Yeah, I mean, like I appreciate that on the plane and everything. If people have those, I'm like, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. get to breathe their germs. Yep, exactly. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from Pat Nori. What are your thoughts on cluster sets and how would you integrate them into maps? Mm. You've been doing these, huh, Adam? I have. So I tried doing these uh, Friday um, in my Friday workout, and I don't know if I did them right, so let me know what you think. So I did, 
I picked a weight that I could do twelve like reps max. With. No, okay, so I did something I could pick, I could do like eight reps. So maybe I went a little too heavy. Yeah, it's a little. That's a little heavy. You want something you could do probably well eight to twelve. You okay. Want, yeah, you want something you can do eight to twelve reps. Okay, uh, so with. then what I did is I would do like four or five reps and I'd rest. 20 to 30 seconds, but I think the rest was too long. Shorter, yeah. Okay, so like what do you do? 15 seconds. So first of all, um, I don't, and I, I know we'll, I'll get DM, so I'll get somebody telling me what the original, uh, you the know. The origin of the cluster. Right, of the cluster yeah. set. But when I looked it up, so first of all, um, I, I'd seen them a long time ago and, and talked about them before. In fact, I remember kind of integrating them into my workouts way back when. When we interviewed and hung out with Scott Stevenson, who uh, swears by him and loves him mm-hmm. is what made me go, oh, you know what? It's been a long time since I fucked around with cluster sets. And since him, I've been intermittently dropping them into my workouts on a pretty, a fairly regular basis. And I absolutely love them. Now, what I did after talking to him and the protocol he talks about on the show, I went and just kind of started researching and Googling and looking up myself. Like, And there's a, a, a billion different ways on okay. like exactly what you do. Now, the idea though is that, okay, so let's say you, you pick a weight that you would normally do four or five sets at eight reps. So track the think of the volume on that. So mm-hmm. you could factor in whatever that weight is, you know, eight sets for I mean, excuse me, uh five sets, eight reps. Forty sets. Yeah, right. And and, and what for, it's like right. Total total reps is X amount, whatever weight is X amount, that's your volume. When you cluster it, what ends up happening is you end up doing like 10 or 12 sets in an even shorter amount of time. And so you accomplish a significant amount more volume hmm. in in such a in, in, in a shorter period of time than you would over five sets. Okay, so walk us through how you would do this. So what I do is I pick a weight that I can do eight to twelve reps. So let's just say bicep curls is an easy one to teach and explain to people. So I pick a weight that uh, for me I think for bicep curls like that is probably like sixty to eighty pounds somewhere okay. in there. Okay, okay. Uh, and but I only do four reps. So you go so four, stop. Stop, rest 15 seconds, pick it back up, four, four more. Okay. Rest 15 seconds, pick it back up, four more. And what ends up happening is- and Now, how long do you do that for? I go till failure. Mm. So you keep going until you can't do four. Right. Oh. Or till form breaks down. Right, right. Well, that's what I mean. Right. So, so, so till you can't do four with good form. Right. And what I kind of find out, or what I've found out is, uh, or come to the conclusion that I get about- you know, that same weight that I would do five sets of eight to 12 reps, I end up getting like 10 sets out. So you do 10 sets, 40 reps, or, or excuse me, four reps each time. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, I don't do, a, I don't count sets. I go until just I keep going, keep going. Keep, feel. Yeah. I go by feel until mm-hmm. I can't, but I, I keep tracking my head mentally like, oh, that yeah. was the seventh set. Oh, yeah. that's the eight. That's, oh, I'm, now I'm starting to fatigue. So it's okay. a long ass set. Yeah. And you do 15 seconds just in between. Pure volume focus. Yes. Yeah. And just 15 second rest. Yeah. Now, at the end of that, because of, because you've done, because that sounds exhausting. It sounds awesome. It's how I like to finish a muscle. Yeah. Group. I want to try that. Actually. I was just going to say, would you then do, let's say you were supposed to do three sets of an exercise is that all considered one set or are you done well i think you're done yeah so i i typically would do something like i would like start my workout do something and that i like to finish with a cluster set like that because it, it only takes you it doesn't take you very long because the short rest periods but you end up getting a ton of volume in a very short period of time i so i did some i, I did something similar than than that but i did a little longer rest i did like 25 second 30 second rest but i did something similar i got a Insane pump. From yeah, no, insane so pump. From I got, it. I've got an insane pump from it too. That's why I like it. Okay, so I think I'm going to start messing around with them a little bit mm-hmm. and commenting. Now, from what I've seen, there was one study that was done on them, and the study showed that it uh, was 
slightly more effective than straight sets. Now, here's where the caveat comes. Uh, like all studies, it's a short period of time. Right. So if you and do cluster sets all the fucking time. Probably going to lose its value. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I like to intermittently throw it in there, and I do recommend people utilize it. I mean, especially if you guys all end up using it and, and falling in love with it, I wouldn't be surprised if it works its way into another MAPS program mm -hmm. as something. It's something you could totally include now. Like I would just take – and personally, I think it. Uh, I've done it almost everything now. I find it most valuable in uh, single joint exercises. Mm. Um, you know, doing it with chest kind of worked. It was cool. Like I did a cluster set with bench press. It was uh, it was all right, but I I really like it for uh, arms. So buys and tries. Shoulders were pretty solid too. I I liked it for shoulders. Not as big. Not as even though it's cool. Not as big of a fan for chest and back and legs. Mm. But uh, is it just because it's just you? Gross motor movement. You're using too many muscles. You feel like you got too tired doing it. Yeah, I felt like uh, I couldn't get as many like bicep curls. Man, I felt like I could get set after set after set after Makes set. Sense. Where bench, like after I did bench, mm -hmm. you know, with a weight that is hard for me to do eight to ten reps. About that third or fourth set, I was already like form was about to break down, so I wasn't able to to prolong. The so my hunch with this with cluster sets is it's more of an advanced technique, something reserved for people who've been working out a little while, understand their body. Well, anything that's kind of drive you a little bit towards the failure end of it, mm -hmm. I would say that's probably a little more on the advanced side, mm -hmm. uh, intermediate to advanced. Yes. Now the other benefit is 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 you could do there's bar speed is probably better. So, you know, when you're doing a set of 12 to, you know, momentary failure or whatever, yeah. your bar speed is really slowing down after rep number eight. But if you're doing four rest, four rest, I think four. that's why it's appealing. <laughs> you know, somebody like I like doing just like few reps and like really, you know, concentrating on you know, the mechanics of that. It does mm -hmm. allow like the fatigue isn't really as you know prevalent but this this will definitely I, like how did it feel towards like your ninth and tenth set oh your your pump is crazy yeah yeah, yeah. You, you get them you get a massive pump from it you feel mm. great so as an advanced technique this sounds yeah pretty awesome yeah i mean it's here's the thing you're this isn't like something that like if there's somebody out there that's pushing it and selling it as the end all be all it's not it's not i mean it's it's another tool in your tool belt it's a great interrupter yeah, yeah. it's another tool in your tool belt it's a cool thing to intermittently do that uh, my suggestion to somebody trying it out is try it with a single joint exercise, try it with a, a basic exercise like bicep curls or tricep pushdowns or something that's pretty easy to adjust the weight and move w real quick. And you're not, it's not a compound. There's not a lot of high risk. You're not loading it on your back or, you know, barbell mm -hmm. pressing something like start with something like that. Pay attention to how you feel. I think it's a cool little tool. Yeah. And you have to be really cognizant. This is, this is another reason why. So there's two reasons why I would think it's for advanced trainees. One is, the intensity involved, um, a cluster set is probably going to be too much intensity for the average person. It'll just kind of tip you over. Yeah, there. you know, if you're just getting started, like in your maps in a block program, like this doesn't. Belong. No, it's not it going to help you. There. If anything, it'll hurt you. Um, the second reason why I think uh, this is more for advanced trainees is you have to understand, you have to be cognizant of the subtle changes in your form. So, like for me, for example, if I'm squatting or benching or rowing or deadlifting, I can tell when my form is is two degrees off of perfect. No, this is a very good point because my definition of failure is very different from, I think, the average person that thinks what failure yeah, looks like. Yeah, I can like. do another one. I can do another one. Right. Like, yeah, you can, but not with 
anywhere near the form. My my failure normally means I can still squeeze out three more reps. Mm -hmm. You know, it, but they're going to be ugly. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I'm going to use body English. I'm going to use momentum. You know, my form is going to break down. When it, but so for me, like when I go to failure, it's till the form. As soon as my form breaks, and you have to know your form really well yeah. to know that the right. average the the average person who's not advanced. They don't know when their form is really starting to break down until it's really broken down. Right. At which point the risk uh, of injury is now astronomical. Yeah, and not even if it's even if it's not like you're doing bicycle curls, it's not astronomical. The risk risk versus reward is just isn't there. It it's doesn't just make like, sense. It's like it's a it's a high risk, and is it really that? Are you really getting that much more bang for your buck to squeeze out those two last shitty you know right. reps? No, it's just not. You're not mm -hmm. going to get major gains from that. So why why risk it? Mm -hmm. Why do it? Next question is from L.A. Penman. What are your thoughts on SARMs? SARMs, you know, oh, we're asking. keeps coming up. Yeah, I get, we get a lot of questions of the, on this, and more so recently. Recently, we've seen a lot of these SARM questions, and I think it's because these gray market um, companies, these gray market pharmaceutical companies are making pushes now with advertising, and you're hearing mm. podcasters and body you know, hackers and yeah, biohackers. Bio that you know using SARMs are great or whatever. So let me give you a little rundown first of what SARMs are, and then we can talk about whether or not they're even worth messing with. So SARMs, SARM stands for Selective Androgen Receptor Modulator. So SARMs are like like a selective estrogen receptor modulators are what have been we've had for a long time, like Novadex. This is a drug that is prescribed to women after having breast cancer or certain types of breast cancers to block the estrogen receptor and potentially reduce the risk of estrogen-sensitive cancers from going, you know, running out of control or whatever. And so what they did with SARMs, which attached to the androgen receptor, the goal was to develop drugs that will attach to the androgen receptor, get it to express its anabolic qualities, muscle-building, pro-tissue qualities, and get it to not express any of its androgenic qualities. And the androgenic qualities are the the masculinizing effects that these receptors uh, can produce, like deepening of the voice, uh, aggression, um, you know, male pattern baldness, uh, you know, th those types of things. And so the thing is, okay, we know that giving people testosterone, for example, when they have cancer or HIV or other types of illness can help many times because it prevents muscle wasting or muscle loss. Um, we also know that as people age, they start to lose muscle and bone. And so they're like, okay, we could give them testosterone, but testosterone has its own side effects. What if we developed a drug that provided the benefits of testosterone minus all of the side effects? And so that was the goal with SARMs. And so they developed these chemicals. Now, here's the, here's the thing with SARMs. They are nowhere near being approved. They're in, I don't know, most of them are in first phase trials. We don't know... 100% what the side effects are, how they work in the body. But because they're not um, listed at or scheduled as a schedule drug like, like testosterone is, there's this gray area where they can sell them online, sell them as research chemicals, and you can buy them and then just take them yourself. So because you can buy them online, they're, they've become the, you know, the next, hey, take this cool thing it works like yeah, steroids somehow people think that that's a safer option because it's it's not like scheduled yeah no i i wouldn't even i wouldn't i wouldn't mess with these at all um now would you i didn't realize that they're 
that similar to um, like Novadex. And we, they're similar in the sense that they that they're designed to attach to a receptor, but Novadex attaches to the estrogen receptor. This attaches to the androgen receptor. So, what makes you think that it, it's it's not going to end up being as good or as effective as a drug like Novadex and as so? Safe? Novadex's goal is to block the estrogen receptor, right. not to activate it. Right. It's basically designed to park itself in the in that receptor and and block it so that estrogen can't uh, do anything to it. Now, we know Novadex has been around long, long enough to know that you take Novadex and it still will cause some estrogenic side effects. Not like estrogen, but much weaker. These drugs are designed to activate the androgen receptor. It's also a different receptor and it's also a different drug. So just because it's, it's, uh, just because it, it's, it's an androgen receptor modulator doesn't mean that it's anything like Novadex at all. Okay. You know, cause, for example, you could, I could create an opiate that's still in the class of opiates, but it would kill you versus other opiates, which you can take like, you know, like Vicodin or whatever. Right. Um, so you, I can make a cannabinoid. In fact, they've done this with cannabinoids. Uh, some companies have tried to make synthetic cannabinoids that will, you know, skirt around the law and get you high. And those cannabinoids, some of them have caused people to go crazy. Oh, some of yeah, them kill people. Horrible results with those. Right. So just because it's in the same, it's, you know, it attaches to the same receptor or it's in the same kind of class or category doesn't make it safe whatsoever. Um, it could have very, very dangerous uh, effects potentially. Um, so with SARMs, we don't know. We don't fucking know what they do. We have a lot of anecdote. And then the people are using that are using them are using doses that are not being used in the studies. Um, and some of these studies are, are coming back and showing potential liver cancer, uh, potential issues with the kidneys, um, and, and, and animal studies. A lot of these are animal studies. We don't even know what they do to humans. So this is a... This is an area I wouldn't fuck with. I wouldn't mess with this. This area. I mean, if you want to take a drug that attaches to your androgen receptor to get give you steroid-like uh, effects, take steroids. And and I'm not saying that lightly. Anabolic steroids have been around for a long time, and we know what they do and what they don't do. With SARMs, we don't know. There was a study that came out recently that analyzed 44 online products. Here's another another reason why I wouldn't mess with them. 44 online products. That that advertised saying that they had SARMs. So they okay, let's let's see what they actually have in them. Half of them contained an actual SARM. So the other half had who knows? Yeah, what what was in it? Ten percent contained nothing at all. Ten percent just were just oil, oil. or whatever. Yeah, forty yeah. percent. So almost half had other hormones and unapproved drugs. So wow. almost half of them contained maybe hormones or things that were. That you're not even trying to take, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, this really works." Well, yeah, because it contains D ball. So I was gonna say, yeah. so it sounds like real similar to like pro hormone thing, good old supplement hustle, yeah. which is because it's gray market, because it's not regulated. You have the and you can market create whatever serum you want, pixie dust, like real hormones and shit in there, so people actually feel they hooked. Yeah, because they feel it or see a difference, and then sell the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. Well, listen to this one. They found several of them. This is from the same study. Several contained a drug that was abandoned by GlaxoSmithKline a decade ago after it was found to cause cancer in animals. Oh my yes. Yeah. And this is this is what a lot of these companies will do is these are these are these research chemical companies. What they do is they'll go through the the discarded uh, drugs that these pharma companies tried to get approved or did testing and then discarded them because they found out like, oh, this one causes heart disease. <laughs> right. This one causes liver cancer. This one They'll find those discarded ones. They'll create those ones because they do have effects, but they also have crazy side effects. And then they'll sell them. And because they're not listed 
as banned substances, technically, they, as long as they say it's not for human consumption, because this is what will happen. You'll go on these websites to buy SARMs, and, and you'll see it says not for human consumption. They're doing that to cover their asses. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're, you're playing – this is literally Russian roulette, literally, with SARMs. And here's the other thing with SARMs. I know a lot of people who've taken real SARMs, and do they build muscle? A little bit. It ain't close to anabolic steroids. I know lots of guys who've taken both anabolics and SARMs and like, eh, you know, it doesn't do a whole lot. Like anabolics are way more effective. Oh, and by the and then the, another reason that they sell them or why people take them is they think that SARMs don't shut down testosterone. So they say, oh, you can take a SARM and it won't shut down your testosterone like like taking anabolic steroids do. Not true. Not the doses that they're measuring. Well, even at the low doses, blocking the androgen receptor still sends a signal to the brain that says, hey, you know, or using or attaching to the androgen receptor tells the brain, hey, we've got too much testosterone. Let's lower production. So it's just, I don't see any benefit from these other than if some of them get approved and show that there's some 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 safety, I could see maybe SARMs being prescribed to women to, to help with osteopenia or muscle because testosterone obviously has, uh, you know, masculinizing effects on women. But no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with these at all. And I get really irritated that I mean, there's people in our space that that promote them because oh, yeah. they try to promote the you know the latest and greatest cool chemical. But no, don't fuck with them. No, I I agree. Next question is from Jose Banales. How do you guys stay healthy during long road trips? Do you meal prep or get food on the road? Staying healthy is easy. Making gains or progress during those times is what I think is challenging. Yeah, so, very challenging. So it really depends on where personally where I'm currently at. Like uh, if I'm in a space of uh, I've set a goal, I'm going to change my body fat percentage or I'm going to build X amount of muscle or I'm on like a, a like a really a strict program, both diet and exercise, then I make the time, which means it may mean I pack my food. It may mean that I get away for an hour to go get to the gym, regardless of what we're doing. Um, but for the most part, uh, and where I'm currently at right now, where I'm not competing or training for anything like that, staying healthy on a trip is is not that hard. And I think that we, I think we overcomplicate that. I think that it's. I think the the beauty is that you you actually should be able to enjoy yourself while you're on vacation or a trip like that. Like th- this is a time when I actually would have a glass of wine or a beer with the guys, or go eat out like a at a restaurant and have mm-hmm. a steak and maybe an appetizer and stuff like that. And I, I think that where where people go wrong is they either one um, overindulge on that that they go to the like the whole like mm-hmm. you know restrict binge like mm-hmm. they restrict so hard all the time and then they go on their vacation and then they fucking ah they binge and they go crazy mm-hmm. or they allow a trip like that to sp- start the spiraling process of I ate like shit all weekend then I get back I'm not in the mood to exercise I'm not in the mood to eat well and then that becomes like this downhill spiral but mm-hmm. honestly the the damage that you would have to do over a 2 to 5 day vacation um man the amount of calorie surplus that you would have to eat uh every single day to like really like change your body like to where you fucked it up and put like a bunch of body fat on like that's a lot of calories. Yeah, highly unlikely. Yeah, unless you're really you're overdoing it. Like yeah. you're really you're really binging while you're on vacation. If you come back and you put five pounds or ten pounds of real body fat 
Which uh, does on. happen. I mean, some people will go a little bit, you know, crazy, but I totally agree. I think it's it's way overhyped, especially because most of these trips aren't as long in comparison to like the, your entire journey for the year, even. Right. Like this is like a, you know, a blip that you're going to kind of just go through. But at the same time, we have found and I have found that anytime, you know, now scheduling uh, something in terms of like a vacation, it's it's way more beneficial for me to find a house or find something that has a kitchen or whatever. Just to, so I could stockpile stuff, I go to a grocery store there and actually eat it, and it's it helps a little bit with like you know the food decisions and the choices because it does you know in terms of like uh, how I feel coming back to the gym and all that it does play a factor, but it's not it's not the end all be all. Like it, it, it depends on what kind of trip now, I'm taking. Look at your look at your health. If you really if you're really concerned about your health, because you're the only people I see who are going to have struggle with this. Or the super body obsessed, fanatical, um, maybe slightly uh, food issue, body issue type people. But everybody else, if you're like, oh, you know, I'm worried about my health and whatever. Okay, consider this. First of all, if you look at your health, it's this big sphere that contains lots of different components. And diet and exercise are part of that. But there's also leisure and connections with friends. And, and those play an important role in your health. In fact, studies, there was a huge study done by Harvard that showed that the relationships you have in your life play a bigger role in your health by themselves than exercise does by itself and diet does by itself. They also showed that having poor relationships was as bad for your health as smoking 15 to 20 cigarettes every single day. So if you're a health conscious person, like you're super fit, you work out all the time, you eat really well, and you're like, oh my God, I have a seven day vacation in Cabo with my wife or my husband and my friends. What am I going to do? You know what you're going to do? You're going to focus on the other side of your health, which you're is gonna party. the relationships with your <laughs> friends, the relationships with your family, the enjoyment of the place that you're in. That will do more for your health than going there and stressing about your diet and exercise and pissing people off around yeah, you. Yeah, don't be that guy. And not nurturing your relationships. Now, do you guys do like so do you guys do anything different leading up to that? Like so like I, I know I'm not going on vacation, but I fly out on Friday. Like so and it's just just the fact that I'm traveling. I got to fly. Anytime I got to fly, uh, it normally throws off my training, throws off my eating, so I know that's already a day that's mm. going to be challenging for me, mm. right? When I know that I'm flying out or I know that I'm taking a weekend vacation or I know where like Katrina and I are heading up to Sanctuary, I tend to really tighten up the reins on myself the week leading up to that. So I know that I have kind of this buffer during that trip. So, you know, I'm always eating good. I'm always training but I eat extra good or don't miss my training or train extra hard that week leading up mm -hmm. to a vacation to help with that that buffer. So I don't have to stress about that. I think to me, the, the week leading up and the week after a vacation is more important than what actually happens on the vacation. So I used to do that, right? I used to do that with diet where I'd eat much more strict leading up to it, but I found that that led more to, to more the, binging yeah more toward the tendency of now i'm going into my vacation feeling a little restricted and then i'm like yes i'm finally here i don't have to eat this way anymore type of mentality so now i just i'm just the same walking in now with workouts that's different because with workouts i'll say to myself now depending on where i'm going if i'm going somewhere let's say it's just jessica and i we both love working out it's fun we tend to book things with gyms and then we'll schedule the workouts and that's part of the vacation we have a lot of fun doing that but if i'm going somewhere with other family members, or there's not going to be a gym. Um, I'll just work out a little harder the week leading up to it, and then I'll use that as kind of recovery time. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, I tell you what, if you're, if you're 
really freaking out about what you're going to eat and what you're going to do. And that can A, lead to the binge mentality or B, make it so that you're not really gaining the full benefit of this vacation or trip. Um, it, when you go on a vacation, this took me a long time to learn, dude. I used to go and I would do that. I would, I would get shredded leading into a vacation. Then on the vacation, I'd fucking just go crazy. Mm. Now what I do is I go and I eat. I eat out and stuff, but I'm not stuffing my face. I, I'm enjoying the food. I'm actually tasting it mm. and enjoying it. Uh, and workouts, if they're there, they're there. If they're not, um, they're not. Depends on if I'm with you guys or, again, with Jessica, probably work out because we all like doing it. If I'm not, then I'm not going to force everybody to do that. It's not that big of a deal. But yeah. I think people freak out so much about this because they're like, oh, my God, I'm going to take five days off. It's going to ruin my body. It's going to ruin my health. It's not. It's not yeah, going to do that. I don't have any hysteria towards. It. I think. I think, just in terms of my own like uh, enjoyment, I do like to either be active or like focus a little bit more on maybe not going, you know, so extreme with the eating. You know, I, I know it'll be there, but I'll try and make better decisions. It's like one or the other. I just, I, I don't like coming back. Just like both factors have been way off kilter, and then I come. I just hate that feeling when you come yeah. back. Well, it's hard to get going again. Yeah. yeah, that's why I think the week before and the week after are more important than the actual week of the sure. trip, right? Yeah, like, that makes totally. sense. because a lot of times when you when you go, you know, crazy with the food and you don't eat any and you don't exercise, the the first day back. Rare, and from vacation like that, yeah. very few, rare, very few people are disciplined enough to make it in the gym that day. And typically, that week of vacation or five days or whatever it was is what normally sends people on the "I'm off the wagon" now. Mm-hmm. You know that that's what kicked off the off the wagon. Yeah. So, in my opinion, getting going into that week and the coming out of that week is more important than mm-hmm. the actual week. Now. I also don't think that you should restrict so hard that you binge. I think that's a good point that Sal brings up, and I'm probably in my early years, I didn't have as good a relationship with food. I probably did something similar. Now I just know, like, now I know, like, because I have a very balanced diet right now. It's easy for me to maintain about 12 to 14% body fat. That's not, like, super lean for me. It's not a lot of sacrifice. It means I can have a burger when I want it. It means I can have fries every once in a while. It means that I can enjoy things. I can enjoy a a, a soda that has sugar in it every now and then. Like, I could eat a half pound of grapes. It means I can do things like that that, uh, and still keep maintaining balance. Now, Knowing that I have somewhere to go on Friday, I just tighten it up a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this week I won't have a burger out because more than likely I'll probably have something eating out on Friday when I'm traveling. So mm-hmm. that's what I mean by tighten things up is the the the, the, the foods or the things that I would kind of let myself eat outside the, the normal quote unquote healthy or ideal foods. I tend to say I'm probably going to do that by chance because I'm flying on Friday and you know I'll probably eat in the in a hotel or eat inside of an airport at one point and the you know choices that I have there I don't want to like I don't want to stress about it I mean, if yeah. it's if, if it's a burger it's a burger whatever you know what I'm saying I'm not going to worry about it because I did had a great week leading up to this and I plan to be right back on the wagon when I'm when I'm back from, from the trip now I do want to address people who travel a lot uh, because that's different right people who travel a lot for work mm. now you have to now, yes, it makes sense to pay attention to workouts and nutrition when you're gone because maybe you're gone five days out of every month. Right. There are mm-hmm. people that travel like yeah, this. True. In which case, uh, here's a couple tips that you can do um, that, that I think should help. Most restaurants will have a meat and vegetable option. That's usually a good option. It's usually a good option to have a, a plate of vegetables and then have some kind of meat. It tends to keep calories low. It's satiating. 
gives you all the essential you know nutrients yeah, that you may need. You don't need. even need to look at the menu, really. You just need to like order that and like see what they come up with. Yeah, and ask them. Say, hey, do you have can I get a side of vegetables? What vegetables do you have? And many oftentimes they'll have broccoli or asparagus as a side. You can order that. You can order your meat. If you want some starches, most places will offer a baked potato. Um, which is a very clean, quote unquote, clean form of carbohydrate. As far as workouts are concerned, um, you know, Maps Anywhere is a great program. Uh, that's why we designed it. Uh, we designed it specifically for people like this. Um, Bodyweight exercises. And if you don't want to buy the program and just like, hey, what, what can you give me advice wise in terms of workouts? 30 minute daily bodyweight uh, workouts um, are a great way to kind of maintain fitness. And that's where you can pick, you know, three or four exercises that are body weight um, that are challenging. And, um, and do them every morning for 30 minutes. Just wake up. And if you're gone for five days, that means five days every morning, 30 minutes, you're doing some body weight exercises just to keep your body moving. That should maintain your fitness for when you get back home. Um, Maps Anywhere would be even better than that. Obviously, that's a, it's a well-programmed workout that might even take your fitness uh, to a better level. Um, but for those people, I'd say then, yeah, you want to pay attention because you're traveling so often. Next question is from Andrew Beth. Have you ever dealt with major anxiety? And if so, what have been some of the, your best coping mechanisms? Have you guys ever had like big time anxiety? I'm trying to rack uh, my brain right now. Well, I had a panic attack, if that counts. Yep. Yeah, that, that definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely, that definitely so. it counts, bro. I think yeah, it's the same. Yeah, no, I've told this on other podcasts. I'm pretty sure I brought it up on this one. But yeah, it was just like a compilation of like all these different factors at once um, in terms of. What I was just, I, I didn't realize how much I was internalizing stress-wise. Um, and uh, like I was trying to launch this this product, uh, you know, f via Kickstarter. I was trying to, you know, contribute to this business. I was trying to manage uh, a bunch of things at home at the same time. There was just like... A, like a bunch of a multitude of things that uh, I was I was trying to to just like fight my way through. Like this is just I'm just weathering the storm. This was like a a mechanism that I ha had done me well in the past. Like it was something that I could get through like challenging um, things by sort of bearing down and 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 trying to to work my way out of it and dig my way out. But um, apparently, it that that method sort of you know, came back to bite me in the ass. And, and this was one of those things that just, it just came out of nowhere. Like I, it was, a, it was a very physical thing that happened to me where, uh, I at first started to feel a pain, like almost like a, an appendix sort of an issue where it was like, it felt like it's this tightening and then felt like almost like it, like it ruptured. Like I was like oh, having a physical response, uh, with this, with this stress and, and it, it knocked me down, on the ground, I was on the ground rolling, trying to find a comfortable position. Again, drew a bath because this is like one of my things. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, maybe I could like relax by getting in hot water, you know? Like that's one of the go-tos. Maybe I could puke it out. Did you I try to puke it out. Did you take you know? a lot of baths as a kid or something? That seems like your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I did. There's like pictures. You ever do that where like uh, uh, my mom would have like my friends. This is when we were real little. And we'd all take a bath. She took pictures of all of us taking baths with my friends. Oh, you guys are. I'm like, how dare you? You're only like, how old are you, 16? Yeah. <laughs> so just a little bit awkward. You know, we're going through puberty. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no. um, yeah. So I was like doing all these things. I'm like trying to get it out, like get it out. And I'm like, that's not, that's not how it works, I guess. And so that made it worse. And I was like in this doubled over excruciating pain. I was like, uh, just, just at a point where uh, I'm trying to get cold presses, I'm trying to do all this stuff. And like, 
I just couldn't get comfortable. And then Courtney's like, yeah, I got to take you to the hospital. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on with you. I got to take you to the hospital. So she took me to the ER and the whole way there, I'm just doubled over, doubled over. I didn't, I, I didn't know like what the hell was going on. The worst was I just didn't know what was going on. Like I just, I knew something was wrong. And, uh, like, and I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Like, and my parents will tell, like, I've, I've had like an infection where I, I stepped on this, this nail and I got a, uh, uh, like this bacteria called pseudomonas that, that, that made its way into my leg, which is basically a flesh eating bacteria, bacteria. That's what's wrong with your feet. Yeah. It's uh, no, that's not the only thing. Trust me. There's a lot and it healed up. And so my whole leg was basically this big infected leg. And, uh, anyways, and I was walking on that for a couple days and on my way home, I couldn't even, like I was crawling home. So anyway, I, I'm just trying to paint a picture. Like I was dealing with You're that. You're a tough guy. No, I'm just saying like, this was, this was real. Yeah. No, you are a tough guy. So, uh, so we get there and it's like, it, it's, it's a weird thing, but I think it was just like psychologically, I, I'm in a place where they're going to be able to help me. And so the pain started to kind of like go down and I'm like, Oh no, like that's when I was like, no, like, <laughs> what is this? Like, oh, no, don't tell me I'm like getting better. You know, this is bullshit. And I still had some pain. I tell them the doctor that so they they put me on morphine anyway. But at that point, I was already calming back down, and then I laid down, and everything was fine. Uh, and so totally, it was a panic attack. It was a panic attack. It was wow. just literally stress driven. Wow. And. I was like embarrassed, you know, because it was like, what? What you did it to yourself? Yeah, you know what, dude? Don't be embarrassed because oh, the, a lot of people. Yeah, have you this. can't separate the, the physical from the from the experience of the pain. So physical pain, experience of the pain, both can wreak havoc on the body, and both can cause each other to happen. So mm -hmm. you can, so people who are like, oh, you know, I didn't just imagine it. it there's something that's really there, and what it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. it, it was what there. About you, you what about it. you, Sal? I feel like you'd be anxious. I, you know, you I'm seem anxious. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm an anxious type person, but I don't really suffer from anxiety. Under really stressful situations, I tend to become a little hyper, uh, maybe a little more productive and focused. Although I will say this, because I was thinking about it, like, when have I ever felt like real anxiety? You know, when we started doing the live events and talking to big groups of people, which I've never had issues with in the past, but I think this was the I had put so much pressure on myself and these people all know me because they listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And what I did leading into it is I thought, okay, I want to be sharp. And the way I can, I know there are certain things I can take that will make me feel more sharp. And they're all stimulants like caffeine or other types of stimulants that I can take that'll make me feel up and then I can do a better presentation. Well, that was a bad mistake because I was taking stimulants and I was also naturally heightened because of the you know, okay, I'm going to go talk to a bunch of people. And it caused me to feel the first time I think I ever felt like actual physical anxiety where you feel like your breath is kind of short. And if I talk too much, I'm going to lose my breath and you got to be careful where I'm sitting type of deal. That happened at one of the events. And now the way I cope with it now is I understand that when I'm about to do something big, I naturally hype myself up. I'm naturally going to have high levels of, of stimulating chemicals in my body. What I need to do is the opposite, right. bring my body down. So what I do now before we do an event like that is I take theanine. I'll take my NED. So I'll do like a full dropper full of NED um, I'll, and, and I'll go into it and that will balance out my natural hyperness and I'm nice, even keel and feeling good. Mm. But if I have a bunch of coffee before doing an event like that, not a good idea. It'll, yeah. it, it'll be too much all at once and I won't feel good. 
Um, now, that being said, I'll tell you what, I've dealt with lots of anxiety in my family. And I can tell you two things that are really, really good. One is have something on hand that will treat in, uh, acute anxiety. Now, that may be a medication. So it may be like a, a benzo drug, like a Xanax that you get prescription for. Or it may be something natural like passion flower or theanine, uh, for example, which can both help. They're very, very mild in comparison to a Xanax, but they can both help. Or NED, you know, have some hemp oil extract that you can use. And the reason why that's a good idea is because sometimes just having something there, like I, I've worked with clients who've gotten a prescription for Xanax, never used it. But the fact that they had it helped them because they knew, oh, I got this here just in case. Right. And then the other thing is, is mindfulness. Uh, mindfulness is the only natural thing that's been shown in clinical studies mm -hmm. to be almost as, as effective as medication for dealing with physical anxiety. It's that powerful. Uh, the problem is you need to practice it, something yeah. you, need to, you practice every single day. I feel like it's a, it's a reframing thing, right? Like I can't, I'm, not, I'm a terrible person to answer this question because I, I don't think I've had, or at least I'm, I, I can't recall like a story like Justin where like it was like this, this it was so overwhelming that it, it physically got to me. Um, most certainly I've had anxious moments like, you know, before every basketball game, uh, before every time I've had to speak in front of a crowd, the first few times we probably did this podcast, the first time I had gone YouTube, like all those things create a little bit of anxiousness uh, or a little bit of anxiety, you would say. But for me, I, I've always been able to, and I don't know if this goes back to maybe playing sports and piecing this together, but uh, it's funny, the, the feeling you get of like super excitement and anxiousness is like like similar. Physiologically the same. Yeah. yeah. So like if you can just learn to like reframe it, that that like amped crazy feeling you're feeling is instead of it being like a daunting thing, like a scary thing, it's like an, I switch it over and kind of grin at it like, oh, yeah, I'm getting amped right now. I'm excited. Like I just start telling myself that in my head like. Oh, I'm excited. I can feel I can feel the butterflies. I can feel my, my skin moving. I, I was just oh, going to yeah. say, do you remember the first times when you were younger and you knew you were going to like make out with a girl or right. you were going to fool around right. and how you would feel beforehand? Right. You'd get kind of shaky and like jittery yeah. and like, oh my. But because you were excited, it wasn't scary. Right. It's this physiologically speaking, <laughs> it's the same, same shit's happening in your body. Same chemicals are being released. One of them you think is scary. The other one you're like, this is exciting. You just make, again, you make peace. With the very worst outcome. So if I'm going to go play a basketball game, what's the worst thing to happen? I freaking play terrible. Is it the end of the world? You know? No. It's right. not the end of the world. What's the worst thing that's going to happen if I get in front of stage of, you know, 300 people and I'm talking to this big group? Yeah, I suck. totally bomb. Yeah. I totally bomb. It's terrible. Nobody likes me afterwards. So the fuck what? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. once I make peace with the worst outcome of whatever situation is causing me to be anxious or have anxiety... Uh, I think that that's what makes me be okay is that I've just, all right, worst, this is worst case scenario. The fact that I'm feeling this way instead of it being stressing me out more and causing more anxiety, I go like, ooh, wow, this got to me. This is exciting. This is, I'm going to do something that's actually got my juices flowing because I, I mean, again, trying to look at it as a positive thing because man, how often do we go about our days and not have these emotional feelings that like wake you up? Like mm -hmm. how many people are just stuck in the nine to five and feel the same way every day and everything's just fucking even kill all the time? Like the fact that I'm doing something in my life that causes this little rumble or this, this nervousness is like, ooh, this is cool. Yeah, I think it too, like, you know, reflecting back on, you know, why that happened, it was, it was toxic. 
it was negative. There was no connotation of a positive outcome. Like there was just like doom and turmoil <laughs> and being pulled in so many, like being ripped, you know, apart in so many different directions that I knew like, uh, I think that my internal voice was like abandoned ship, you know? And, and so it wasn't like I could, cause I could do that for every other sport and every other event. Like I went to talk on Ben Greenfield, podcast by myself which is the last thing i wanted to do yeah like i I did not want to do that yeah you know i i've spoken in front of you know apple before yeah you know i did not want to do that yeah and and and, you know turn that into excitement but uh but i think that i think it's a matter of addressing it and and (laughs) dealing with something you know like you're your body physically tries to tell you these things. I think a lot of times that people ignore it and there's, there's probably somebody in your life or there's probably something going on with your work that you need to make a decision on that. You're probably not. No, that one, that one show on Netflix that was talking about the mind Mm -hmm. and they were talking about mindfulness and they had the, the monks on there explaining how they meditate and whatever. Have you guys ever seen that? It's a famous picture and I believe it's from the 60s or 50s. And there's a Buddhist monk who's protesting. And I forgot what he was protesting. But he, he kneels down. He on fire. He, he yeah. pours gas on himself. And he kneels down, lights himself on fire, and meditates. Yeah. And literally burns to death. And yeah. not a single muscle twitched. Not a single scream came out of his body. He sat there and meditated while his body that caught the, fire. the craziest thing ever. And the, and the reason why they can, they can do stuff like that. Doug's going to pull it up. There he is. This is 1963. Look at that. Now, is that a real image? or is that No, just that's a, really him. Yeah. That really That's the cover of Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, first I was going to say, that yeah. is Rage. He really did that. Yeah. And the, the reason why they can do that is because through mindfulness, they've changed the relationship they have with certain feelings. So right. he still felt the pain of the burn. He still felt all that stuff, but he didn't have, he just felt it. He just felt the pain. It's just a, it's just a signal. He's not interpreting it as bad, hurtful, whatever. He just feels it. And so what mindfulness tells us about about anxiety is just allow yourself to feel it, but don't attach anything to it. So just, okay, yeah. heart's beating fast, Recognize whatever, it. or attach something positive to it, well, like and, what Adam was saying. Yeah, and you're exactly, and your advice too, I think is something that I've learned over years that I did wrong in the past of doing other things that hyped myself up. Like I was already <laughs> yeah. hyped enough. Like there's no reason for me to take any stimulant because I have a natural high and that would just make it m- more challenging um, I do love to use like Ned for like almost every talk we've done. Um, I've done the same thing. I haven't messed with theanine in that situation, but I have uh, I have taken Ned before, and that just kind of helps me calm down, relax a totally. little bit. Totally. And now, but- now, if you're someone that suffers from lots of anxiety, obviously we're not doctors, um, but there's a couple things that the literature says it's pretty clear. Um, a, take no stimulants. So if you drink coffee every day, even if it's one cup, go off of it. It has a negative effect on anybody who has anxiety issues uh, for the most part. The second thing is work on your sleep. Sleep, lack of sleep can dramatically re- uh, increase anxiety symptoms in people who suffer from ty- from all kinds of different types of anxiety. So focus on sleep. And the third thing is exercise regularly. Exercise is another thing that has been shown to reduce the symptoms of anxiety. And sometimes when you're feeling anxious, moving actually helps get that feeling out of your body. So you're feeling anxious, you go to the gym or you go for a long walk and you'll find that the anxiety... Uh, will start to come down. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find all of us on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. 
If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.